This is Ian Perry. Welcome to Keeping Green, broadcasting at the University of Calgary on Treaty 7 land and in Métis Region 3. On this episode of Keeping Green, I speak with Becky Best Burtwistle of the Canadian Parks and Wilderness Society and Neil Warren of ConserveCananaskis.com. And we discuss the commercial use of water at Fortress Mountain. Stick around. So here we are in the weeks following the most intense U.S. election in living memory. Many are celebrating as President-elect Biden moves closer to the White House in Washington, D.C. But the hard work is not at its end. In many ways, it has barely begun. While we can breathe a sigh of relief that the next U.S. president will not remove environmental protections, we cannot say the same about our premier, Jason Kenney whose government continues to unashamedly remove environmental protection so that companies, in some cases foreign-owned companies and very large companies, can make a great deal of money. Recently on this show, we have discussed the government's cancellation of the coal policy, permitting open-pit coal mining in sensitive mountain and foothill areas that have been protected for over 40 years. We have also talked about the government's decision to delist many parks and protected areas in the province, leaving many Albertans without their favorite spots to holiday and giving industry a major advantage in areas critical to endangered species and our water resources. Well, folks, I am here today to talk about yet another environmental hardship set in motion by our trusted elected representatives, the water at Galatea Creek on Fortress Mountain in the Kananaskis country. Today I'll discuss the government's amendment to a water license which will allow for the water off of Fortress Mountain to be trucked away and canned and sold. Joining me to discuss the amendment is my friend from the Canadian Parks and Wilderness Society, Becky Best Burtwistle, who is the Conservation Engagement Coordinator for that organization. And I also speak to Neil Warren, a ski guide who has taken an interest in conservation issues in Alberta and started a website, conservecananaskis.com. Now, Neil obtained several email correspondences between the Alberta Environment and Parks Department and the experts who had assisted in the impact assessment of shipping water off of Fortress. We talk a little bit about those messages. On a technical note, the internet connection was troubling in some moments of this interview, and the sound quality reflects that but I appreciate listeners' patience while we do our interviews remotely to prevent the further spreading of the virus. Believe me, we are anxious to resume regular in-person interviews, and we plan to do so as soon as it is possible. Now, here's Neil Warren describing the consultation of the water use license amendment in the Fortress area. felt like they were going through the motions just to say that they had ticked the public consultation a box. So specifically, 
Um, they, number one, had very limited uh, public postings about this proposed water amendment. So they were uh, two postings. One was a, a single time um, advertisement in a Canmore a newspaper um, that was run once and Fortress put um, a physical uh, poster on the gate of the road, which is you have to turn off of Highway 40. Others uh, so we don't know Highway 40 off fairly um, uh, quiet road unto itself um, in Kananaskis country, and you had to go onto their gravel access road, and you'd find that posting on their gate. So unlimited uh, postings, um, and even on those postings, there was limited information about what was actually happening. There's thing, there was a commercial use water application, but no real information uh, past that. Um, then uh, they collected um, statements of concern um, uh, starting July 4th, uh, for um, statements of concern. And so they wrapped up uh, collecting them in early August and did uh, nothing uh, with them for August and September. Then on October 8th, they informed um, all statement of concerns that they were valid and then granted the water amendment on October 25th. So very limited call out and limited uh, time for people to take any action after they were told they weren't uh, valid. Right. And, and Becky, would you say that um, this is fairly consistent with what we see a lot from different ministries of the Alberta government? I think applications that go through the Alberta Energy Regulator are very similar to this. It's registering a statement of concern. It likely won't get, uh, won't go anywhere, and it'll your statement of concern will be rejected. Uh, we found um, registering statement of concerns regarding coal developments in the southwest of the province uh, applications by industry are approved same day, or they are they're uh, submitted on a Friday afternoon and um, approved on a Monday. So there's very room for little room for public consultation in that um, regulating structure right now. This has been something that the government has declined to comment on um, to permit the sale of water from Galatea Creek. But if we stand to suffer environmentally, sort of on a on a local but also on a global scale with single-use plastic, if if treaty rights are being pushed aside or ignored largely, um, and if if one company stands to be profitable, why why do you think this water license amendment was pushed through? And I guess Becky, I'll I'll start with you. Sure, I think that this example is illustrative of the government's prioritization of private interests on public land. Um, so you can see how they prioritized private interests in another in a number of other decisions and delisting and privatizing parks uh, in coal applications and the recension of the Alberta's coal policy, which was a result of private lobbying. Um, so I think that this case is a small and, and at the same time big example of how this government is consistently um, prioritizing private interests over public interests when it comes to decision making on public land. Yeah. Uh, do you have any thoughts yourself, Neil, on that one? Yeah, um, and first off, being there, um, uh, they're selling the water in aluminum uh, cans, which they're, uh, they have some sort of like environmental uh, message where uh, they feel that that's a more um, recyclable thing than a single-use um, plastic. Anyways, uh, just to clear that point up. Okay, I see. Um, 
I think the water amendment was pushed through by effective lobbying and uh, money. A very prominent uh, right-wing uh, lobbyist in Alberta was hired by uh, Fortress, uh, Fortress on April 11, uh, 2018. Um, and Fortress put through their initial application for the water amendment um, on October 1st, uh, 2018. So I think um, his lobbying efforts uh, worked. You know, just a quick run through of the numbers. Uh, they've been approved to sell um, 50 million uh, liters of water. Um, and then if you divide that by a, a 350 liter uh, can, which is what they're being uh, sold in, mm. um, it's a little over 140 million cans. Um, I divide that by uh, six, uh, 23.4 million uh, six packs. And you can currently uh, right now buy a six pack for $9.98. So if they sell all 50 million liters of water per year, they can make $234 million per year. So I think lobbying and money is why yeah. it was approved. You know, it, it calls to mind this idea of hidden costs. And, uh, you know, you can you can find a lot of sources that suggest what a, a barrel of oil or a, um, a, a pound of coal really is, is worth if you price it in terms of, of environmental losses. And, and I, I'm curious what one of these cans of water is actually worth when you take into consideration the environmental impacts down the road. Yeah, I agree. Um, and they're also too just, um, just so everyone's aware, they, the, it's a, a beer company who is canning the water for them. I, I, I just really can't understand why. Um, like why are they driving tanker trucks of water from Kananaskis to make a beer when that's a job the river currently does for free and without dealing with things I, I really can't understand why. Um, yeah. But it, it's currently going on. So you can buy a beer made with the water or you can buy the water um, on its own. Right. So I'm just curious, Neil, about your website uh, and, and Conserve Kananaskis. Can you just describe it a little bit for our listeners? Uh, yeah, sure. So um, Conserve Kananaskis is a website and social media-based um, information uh, effort. And my goal is to provide the original source of documents um, all in one easily accessed application of the website so that interested people can uh, can better uh, inform themselves on issues and hopefully that will inspire them to take um, action. Um, uh, currently, Conserve Kananaskis is, is focused on on this fortress water issue. Um, in the future, it'll be, it'll be focused on other uh, issues. So it's giving people a one-stop, um, easy access. Here's all the documents. Um, and so there's no uh, fake news. They can they can steal the facts themselves. Fantastic, and uh, that brings me to ask about some of these internal government correspondences. What kinds of messages were you uh, were you reading when you got a hold of some environmental correspondences within the government? Um. Uh, there was a lot. So I got hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of PDFs and emails and uh, technical documents. And there was a few categories of info that, um, that I was reading about. One was just um, AEP, so Alberta Environment and Parks, um, uh, gathering information 
on the proposed project from both a fortress and then reaching out to other um, experts, hydrologists, biologists, um, etc. So one was um, info gathering. Um, there was a lot of correspondence from a fortress fairly aggressively uh, pestering AEP from just why things were taking so long and and uh, and asking for ways to um, speed up the uh, process. Um, there was a, a fair number of emails um, around the letters of concern, uh, some environmental uh, reports, um, lots of emails with, um, as I said, um, um, experts, uh, biologists and uh, fish and wildlife, that sort of thing. And um, yeah, so that's kind of what uh, what was contained in the uh, the info. Um, some of it was just pure, no uh, redactions at all. Um, some was really uh, heavily redacted. Um, you know, you scroll through it and it was just pages and pages uh, fully uh, redacted, and some you know names and emails removed. And then it was interesting to see the a mix. Does it seem like there were people who were supposed to have expert opinions who were not exercising their best judgment? Um, uh, really good question, Ian. So, no is the answer to your uh, question. Um, experts were given what I thought was really good advice. So, Fish and Wildlife uh, were commenting on on uh, impacts of downstream uh, fish and wildlife. There were uh, biologists commenting on the um, up to 15 tanker trucks uh, per day on the highway and the road, how that would impact uh, wildlife, etc. Um, and I thought AEP actually, uh, to their credit, uh, did do a lot of asking of experts. Neil went on to tell me that even though the government had procured high-quality expert advice in the emails that he read, the government had not, in his opinion, followed the advice closely enough. So, Becky, I want to I want to touch base with you on on coal a little bit because I can't help but feel like a lot of this stuff is is quite closely interrelated. Um, obviously, with any resource development, water is a key piece of recovering resources and water is a very high risk for contamination. Um, I guess the question is, does, do these aggressive moves by the government have implications for the, the moves toward more coal mining in Alberta? I think what's most clear to me is the trend. Like I said uh, regarding Fortress, it's really illustrative of this government's attitude towards decision making in regards to public land and environmental issues is that you know the lobbyists and the, the organizations that can afford to pay for lobbyists are getting the ear of the government when it comes to decision making and everybody else is being informed of the decision after the fact is kind of the trend that we're seeing here. So we see that quite clearly when it came to the rescission of the 1976 coal policy which the Coal Association of Canada lobbied quite hard to get that policy rescinded they had meetings with the government up until the week before they made the decision, and then the coal policy was rescinded without any other uh, public consultation. Um, and so I do think that the issues of uh, water and the best interest of the public, which is keeping you know, free, cool, clear water, healthy water for all of us, um, the interests of the public aren't being held in the highest regard when it comes to these decision-making processes. And I, I just think with all of the new coal applications we're seeing in southwest Alberta, it can really only go downhill from here. And have you been um, present in any of the, the recent hearings? 
Yeah, so CPAWS actually has retained uh, three experts to intervene in the hearing. Um, and that hearing is a, is a joint panel that's between the federal government and the provincial government, the Alberta Energy Regulator. Um, so we have three experts. One of them is actually intervening on the topic of selenium, um, which is a major byproduct um, that is leached from the mining process and is a major issue uh, when it comes to water contamination. And you can just look to the Elk Valley in BC and yeah. the problems they're having with uh, metallurgical coal mining and selenium contamination of water. So we have, that, that hearing is uh, like nine to five, uh, six days a week for the last four weeks. So I haven't been sitting in on every day of it, but CPAWS is wow. participating, yes. Well, we'll be anxious to, to hear, maybe you describe the, uh, the outcome in, in, a, in a couple of weeks. Perhaps we'll get another show together with you. Another aspect of this water license amendment were the indigenous rights and perspectives that had been neglected. So I wanted to ask my two guests a little bit about that. It seems like we're increasingly um, focused on, on reconciliatory uh, action, but we continue to destroy some of the progress we've made because the 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 system that we have in place um, was not designed to take indigenous rights deeply into consideration. And so we can talk about it and talk about it and talk about it. And then we, we can turn around and have our, our own government um, disregard indigenous people. So, I mean, you guys can comment on this. To what extent do we have to reorganize the whole system? And what's it going to take? before indigenous values and, and rights are, are more seriously considered in these kinds of, of debates? I think that you kind of uh, summarize the problem in the question is that our, you know, our current model of uh, consultation, especially when it comes down to environmental decision-making is inherently colonial and it doesn't set the playing field up level to begin with. Um, yeah, and I am like in no means an expert on the issue or even have a place to comment, but I would really recommend that you check out the work of, um, there's an organization called the Nitsitapi Water Protectors um, run, by, run by a collective of members from the Blackfoot Confederacy who are really concerned about coal mining and yeah, just their concerns with how consultation is organized around uh, structures based in chief and council and how members could be kind of missed, members' concerns can be missed in that process. Um, so yeah, I really recommend that you check out their work or even have them on the show. In answer to this question, Neil said it will take nations fighting back in protests and blockades. But he also added it will take many of us non-Indigenous people to back them up before any systemic change is made possible. There's a lot going on these days in, in Alberta. There's joblessness. There's um, a loss of hope. And so what would each of you say to those who feel like their voices are not being heard, like their needs are not being met and want to leave Alberta? What would you say to keep them here, to keep them fighting for things like um, transparency in government and so on? I think there's a major lack of political literacy uh, in the public. And people think that they can sign a change.org petition and that will create the change that they want. 
and they get incredibly frustrated, which I totally understand when nothing comes of that change.org petition. Um, so I would really encourage people to take the next step and educate themselves politically and like pick up the phone and call your MLA and you'll, you could get a call back from them um, about the issue that you care about or go out and join like volunteer groups, educate your community, your recreational community that you're part of, the community you live in. And I think you'll find a lot more like-minded people than you expect. And I think that it's really easy for people to feel quite isolated. But for example, our Defend Alberta Parks campaign, we have 1,400 volunteers engaged in that campaign mm, right now. Wow. That is amazing and unprecedented, yeah. I think, in terms of environmental campaigning in the province. So I really think that galvanizes folks and makes them feel less alone. So my recommendation would be that people get out there and find their community however they can. And I totally understand it's hard to do right now, um, but there are many more ways we can engage online with folks as well. That's excellent. And and Neil, you're you're an outdoorsy person and, and uh, I, I take it passionate about uh, the mountains. Do you ever feel hopeless uh, being on the eastern side of the of the Continental Divide here? Uh, hopeless? No, uh, never. Um, am I frustrated? You know, do I wish our our government was more like uh, BC's and more uh, left-leaning? Yeah, um, absolutely. Um, I've had friends uh, move away, uh, some quite uh, recently, and, and I don't blame them. Um, but I think, you know, moving away I think is just a, a short-term, small-scale solution. So like, it makes your little uh, bubble better. But then, if if a government that you had moved to, if that uh, changes, um, you're still faced with that uh, battle. So it's not uh, fixing anything in, in the long term. Like, you know, when my kids are screaming and my older daughter is is pushing my uh, son around, it's like, you know, sometimes I'm like, oh, I can't handle this. I'm just gonna. A cracker beer and go to the next room for and look at Instagram for a bit, but it's not solving anything, right? Like at some point, I gotta go back in the room and make sure she's not uh, dragging him around by his hood. Like, um, <laughs> so I think just making change that is gonna be uh, sustainable. That's right. Well, that's that's a great place. Um, do you guys want to leave us with any last thoughts uh, today on on that or any other? piece of what we've discussed uh neil you can go first yeah i think um you know uh, this has been my first uh, foray here into actually doing anything of substance and what uh, what i've learned in in a little over a year now is just it really 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 matters who is in charge um you know i've spent a year complaining uh, to the bank robbers that the bank has been robbed and and they don't care <laughs> So it really matters who's in charge. And um, I think in order to get change for the charge, obviously it matters how we vote. And um, I think we need to find out a way to engage with you know, the other side and engage with them in a, like a genuine way that you're willing to have some uh, compromise. So, you know, here we are three environmentalists on a, a green show and we're all cheering each other on and that's wonderful. but what's that going to do right mm. um we need to talk to side and and agree on a on a common a middle ground like mm -hmm. if we're all you know, like the three of us we're all trying to sell our bike for a thousand dollars and we keep talking to other people who think who think bikes are worth a thousand dollars and the other side who, who want to buy a bike they're like oh well i think our bikes 
I think bikes are worth five hundred dollars, and they uh, uh, both those sides stay on on their own side of the fence. They all, they all think that they're right, but you're only going to get sustainable change when you come together. And say, How about we sell a bike for seven hundred fifty? Okay, yeah, I can buy a bike for seven hundred fifty, and then you move forward and make uh, progress. So. Um, Who's our matters, and we need to find a way to engage with the other side of the fence. Yeah, well, well put. And and Becky, did you have anything to add? Yeah, I would add that um, I do think who in charge ma- that does matter. But I do think that these issues of conservation cross the political spectrum, and we're really seeing that right now with like the Defend Alberta Parks campaign, and just like how many um, traditionally conservative-minded people are getting involved. Um, you know, the word conservation and conservative, they sound a little similar, don't they? They mm. might have a similar root. So I think there's actually folks have a lot more in common mm. than we think. Yeah. And I would also um, like to add that, you know, not to like, not to discount any of the amazing work that Neil's done, but it like really is that easy. You could be Neil too. You know, I think so many people think like, I could, I, I can't do that. That's too hard. It, and they get so intimidated by being involved politically or standing up for the the things they want to stand up for. But a year ago, Neil wasn't doing this. And now look at him, right? He's like built something that's like very impressive and brought a lot of awareness to this issue that people previously had no awareness mm. of. So I would encourage more people to just get out there and like be the Neils in their community. And if there's something that you care about, advocate for it, you can do it. So that was my discussion with Becky Best Burtwistle of the Canadian Parks and Wilderness Society and Neil Warren, a ski guide and concerned citizen. How do you feel about the province pushing through a water license amendment that allows a private firm to truck water off of Fortress Mountain and sell it? Perhaps it seems like the issue is just small potatoes. It's not like people are brewing beer or canning water up on the mountain. They're simply trucking the water away. But I ask you, what's the point? And is it really worth it? We already draw millions of liters of water downstream of Galatea Creek in the Kananaskis and Bow Rivers. That water comes straight to us without any need to truck it in. Glacier-sourced water doesn't add a magic ingredient to beer or anything else it's put into. The water treatment process is rigorous and takes away any glacial sediment. That water does, however, do magic where it's left in the creek. In alpine and subalpine areas like Fortress Mountain, surface water is essential to the maintenance of wetlands and riparian corridors immediately downstream. 
and these ecosystems need all the water they can get with the reduced snowpack and rainfall that we are experiencing due to the effects of climate change. We already take so much from our natural world. It wouldn't kill us to leave something alone for a change. In fact, it might just save our lives someday. But our government doesn't see it this way, and they are not setting a good example for us and our children to follow. I urge you to think deeply about the legacy we're leaving behind with these kinds of decisions, and I urge you to challenge your elected representatives on environmental matters, to stand up for protecting our backyard. It's the only one we've got. Join in the fight by visiting the Canadian Parks and Wilderness Society at cpaws.org and by checking out Neil Warren's website, conservecananaskas.com. Neil rose up as a private concerned citizen, and you can too. Well, that's our episode. To find out more about this issue, you can go to sprawlcalgary.com and read a little bit more about Neil and some of the indigenous rights that were not considered through the water license amendment. You can find Keeping Green on Instagram at keeping underscore green and find us at keepinggreenpodcast.wordpress.com. Thanks for listening and until next time, keep it green. Mm-hmm.